Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Thursday, December 10th, 2020. On the show today, we've got a whole lot of news to talk about, some Nationals minor league news. They've got some new affiliates, or at least are trying to get some new affiliates. Also, we've got some movement in the free agency market, specifically at catcher. We'll talk about that. The Mets might be making some moves, how that affects the Nats, and a whole lot more here on today's Locked On Nationals podcast. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to it here on today's Locked On Nationals podcast. And we start with the news about the Nationals minor league affiliates. It's funny. This is a day and age, guys. This is a time that we're living in where it seems like whenever I record, right after that and I hit publish, something else happens. And that's what happened here with some of the news that we're going to talk about today. So this comes from Jesse Doherty over at the Washington Post. The headline is, Nationals extend invites to affiliates close to home amid widespread minor league changes. He goes on to say, On Wednesday, in another step of this confusing minor league baseball saga, the Washington Nationals extended invites to four affiliates. The Rochester Red Wings, Class AAA, the Harrisburg Senators, Class AA, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, Class High A, and then the Fredericksburg Nationals, Low Class A. The next phase of this process is convoluted. Each team will have to accept or reject the Nationals' invitation. From there, licensing agreements will be hammered out in the coming weeks, and once they are, the affiliates can become officially official for the 2021 season. But the slow trek toward clarity continues with these offers. The Blue Rocks, a longtime Kansas City Royals affiliate until this fall, quickly accepted on Wednesday. They spent 26 years the past 28 with KC and will now uh, now give the, the Nats their high A team. Uh, just a short drive up Interstate 95. The Fredericksburg Nationals were already kind of in that spot, so we kind of you know knew that was going to happen. The Red Wings, on the other hand, broke from that tone in a team-issued statement. They said, quote, We are pleased to have received the invitation, and we hope that the terms put forward by Major League Baseball will be acceptable, end quote. Said Naomi Silver, the Silver, the Red Wings president and CEO, said, quote, Once we receive the full details from MLB, we'll begin evaluating the proposal carefully to assure that it works for our team, the fans, and the community before formally accepting, end quote. All indications are that Rochester will be the Nationals' AAA affiliate moving forward. A personal knowledge of the Nationals' offers said the expectation is that uh, each will be accepted, but with MLB taking control of minor league baseball, many current and former teams are unhappy with the setup and anticipated terms. All right, so um, this is you know been a story that we, we've had going on for a while now, right? Minor league baseball and a lot of the switches were coming yesterday, but Teams are having to switch things up, especially after the season that we just had with the pandemic. So it's been upsetting because, you know, we talked about this a lot of places. We mentioned Hagerstown, uh, you know, the Suns no longer going to be the affiliate for the Nationals. And it's it's a challenging and sad time. And look, the, the good news is that some of these places are going to still have minor league baseball teams, especially for the Nationals. I, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to do what the Nats are doing, kind of consolidating those minor league teams uh, in terms of location, right? Not being as far spread. There is benefits and drawbacks to this. 
the immediate benefits, and this is kind of a 10,000 foot view here that I'm taking, the benefits would be that a lot of these guys are going to be able to be in the same area, kind of close, you know, that makes travel a bit easier from one level to the next around the, you know, the major league hub too. You know, you're not having a situation where you've got AAA, you know, in Fresno or, you know, the Sacramento Bees, you know, uh, good example, um, you know, the the Richmond Braves, the AAA affiliate, and even that was pretty far away, um, you know, the the from Atlanta. Then you had, you know, the Las Vegas 51s at one point in time for the Mets, and that was, you know, a long way. So it's nice to have baseball in those places, but at the same time, it's, it's nicer for these uh, major league teams to consolidate and have these closer to these minor league affiliates, especially closer to home. Uh, just kind of everything's a bit more centralized. Now, the drawback to that is that baseball is going to be in less places, right? If you're kind of consolidating saying, well, we want everything to do with the Nationals, you know, to be in, uh, you know, basically on the I-95 corridor, right? You know, whether it be a little bit north or south or wherever it is. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of what the way it's heading. That's going to be a challenge, right? I mean, you know, you're going to think about places like Greenville, South Carolina, and, you know, I'm not sure if they're losing their affiliate. I don't think they are. But you think about places like that, smaller places across the country, you know, who could be losing their affiliates. And that's pretty big. Um, you know, that, that means that where baseball is going to be in less places. And that is always one of the challenges that I think I've tried to stress is that it's important that baseball is all over the place. My first exposure to a baseball game professionally was a Richmond Braves game. Uh, you know, the the closest stadium we had was Baltimore. The next closest one we had was Philadelphia. The next closest after that was, you know, New York. And then, uh, you know, uh, you drive down to have to drive down to Atlanta. So that is one of the issues, you know, that, that you're facing is that baseball is played in, um, you know, such few places. And, and these teams are your connection to baseball for, you know, part of middle America, right? I mean, there's not a lot of middle America. You think about, you know, the Dakotas, uh, Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma, right? There are no teams, no professional teams, at least, in any of those places, right? I mean, Kansas, technically, I guess you could say there is a team, but, you know, the I think the stadium is in the Kansas side, actually. I, I forget, though. But, I mean, that's you know, still Kansas City. It's one part, right? So there, there are a lot of places that do, you know, um, you know, don't have team. Tennessee is another great example of, you know, a place that's got a rich baseball tradition in terms of uh, minor league and also college as well, especially lately. Um, you know, with Vanderbilt and Tennessee, it's, it's a baseball hungry state and not to have, you know, um, any AAA or AA affiliates there. A lot of the South too, Alabama, Mississippi, great examples of those places, South Carolina, North Carolina, right? You know, these are kind of tangential to other, you know, they're kind of within arm's reach of some of the pro teams, but those places, it's important to have those minor league affiliates for one, to cultivate a relationship to baseball and two, to cultivate a relationship potentially with you and another team. Um, so, you know, you, you know, you have the, uh, you know, Harrisburg Senators, you know, you could be a Nats fan or, you know, a good example is Richmond Braves. You're probably a Braves fan, right? So those things are, are you know, it'll be nice to have them somewhat nearby, but um, it's going to be difficult now to, to cultivate some of those relationships. So those are things to track when it comes to minor league stuff. I'm not as privy to the specifics of a lot of these deals, and we'll try to get somebody on to talk about that stuff. Um, you know, with the financial side of this and the, and the ramifications, but just with the actual news portion of it, that's what we're looking at. Um, once again, the Nationals looking at four new affiliates 
or I guess the new four, you know, this would be the new lineup, you could say, uh, that we class AAA, Rochester Red Wings, which that one's been, you know, I think it's pretty close to being confirmed. Harrisburg, Santa, there's Wilmington Blue Rocks, and then the Fredericksburg Nationals. So that, that would be your four. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will discuss the latest news surrounding free agency signings, um, you know, how it pertains to the Nationals, and also we'll take a look around the league as well. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new improved Built Bar has six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with the 12 original flavors. All of them have chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com, use a promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. You also have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Once again, promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com, you'll get 20% off on your next order. Also, guys, before we get back to the show today, I want to let you guys know the NBA season is just a few weeks away. So we want you guys to check out those locked on uh, those NBA previews. Every single team is going to be doing one, I assume. And also, too, you know, Chad Ford, who works with Locked On, he'll be doing some NBA previews. And Locked On NBA show will also have some previews as well. So I encourage you all to check out all of those things as the season nears. All right, so we have some free agency news for the Nationals here. Um, it turns out that the Nats had some talks with Carlos Santana, who I mentioned on yesterday's show, wasn't uh, was ended up signing with the Kansas City Royals, right? So he ends up signing with the Royals, two years, eighteen and a half million, I believe, was the number. But Jesse Doherty, you know, once again, he he's all over it, isn't he? Uh, great article about the minor league stuff and also to doing the reporting. But he said the Nats were pursuing Carlos Santana. Um, you know, they the the price he said was probably too high. He uh, That's what he surmised in his words, saying that, you know, you can probably, probably assume that the price for Santana was a bit too high, and that's why they really didn't chase it much further. And as the offseason drags on, the, the Nats need a decision to come from Ryan Zimmerman so they can figure out what they're going to do at that position. I know they don't want to press Zimmerman. Obviously, he means so much to this organization, and he's a guy that's given them a lot, so I, I don't think they want to press him, especially given that it's a health um, scare, it's a health situation with his family. It's why he opted out of the season, so they want to give him the requisite time to decide. But for the Nats, man, they need something to happen. They need uh, a decision to be made because guys like Santana they might want to take a pass on, you know, they don't know if they have to go out and acquire somebody like that. They don't know what they have to do uh, to fill that position or if they even need to fill that position. And that is what we're tracking as far as that Santana news. I think that that's what that kind of means. Um, the, the big rumor, the hot rumor yesterday, and it, it continues today, is the, the news that James McCann is being, I mean, it's kind of the, the wording was essentially done, a done deal kind of, um, with the, the New York Mets. So it, it sounded like yesterday things were heading towards the Mets being able to sign James McCann. But it turns out the deal, maybe the length, is not what the, the, the Mets want. Um, and it turns out as well, the Angels are still in on James McCann in addition to the Mets. So the Mets 
could let him kind of slip through their fingers. Uh, but I think, you know, people are still saying that they believe that the Mets are the favorite. This is from Jeremy Layton over at the New York Post. He says, despite the belief that the New York Mets are the favorite to sign James McCann, the former White Sox catcher has other suitors. MLB Network insider John Heyman reported on Wednesday that Los Angeles Angels are among other teams engaged with McCann, that they have been from the beginning. Heyman also noted that McCann 30 is from Santa Barbara, California, and has family still in the area. So the Angels could, quote, hold a geographic edge, end quote. Um, <clears throat> The Post, Joel Sherman, reported on Wednesday that while neither McCann's representatives nor the Mets have acknowledged a deal is close, quote, pretty much every agent, not McCann's, and a team executive, not from the Mets, said they expect the Mets to ultimately sign McCann for four years in the $36 to $48 million range. McCann has emerged as number two catching option in the free agent behind JT Real Muto. The late blooming McCann was an all-star, late blooming rather, McCann was an all-star for the White Sox in 2019 and an OPS of 808 in his two seasons in Chicago. So the the story here is, you know, I think the the Nats maybe thought about James McCann, but right now they're paying Jan Gomes, I believe it's six million dollars, and he was a very good catching option for them. I don't know if they want to go out and spend another 12 a year, especially for that length of time, on on James McCann. Uh, and I don't know if they're that sold on him. I think they'd rather kind of maybe run it with uh, Jan Gomes and Trace Barrera as that catching tandem next season, as opposed to spending that much money on a player like James McCann. So uh, I think that's something to track, something to be interested in. And, and for the Mets, that signing makes sense. Catcher is their biggest weakness right now by far their biggest weakness. That in second base, but I mean, I think they can fill second base maybe with Andres Jimenez. Um, Jeff McNeil is a natural second baseman, so I think if they get Springer, that would allow them to move McNeil into the infield. So I do think there is a chance that the um, the Mets are going out there and they might spend a little bit more to make sure that they fill that need uh, because it is very apparent. What I would say for the for the Nats is they need to get going. The, the market's starting to heat up, and I don't know if they can sit around and wait this long because I think once the bigger dominoes fall, the other ones will as well. Uh, I think once, you know, the pitching dominoes are beginning to fall, but nothing too substantial. You know, I think once you get a Ballard, there's going to be a rush on a Kluber and, uh, you know, kind of so on and so forth, and we'll see. But the Nats might have to get a move on. They might start uh, having to get into some talks, and, you know, we've got some news on that front, but not a whole lot in terms of who they're negotiating with, right? I mean, we talked about the Chris Bryant trade, and uh, I don't know where that is. You know, we're not really sure if, if talks have been pursued any further than what we had uh, last, you know, discussed on this podcast. And we haven't seen any news when it comes to that. But yeah, as far as the Nationals go, you know, you might want to start getting your name in the mix for some of these guys, start becoming a bit of a threat because uh, the Nats need to get a starting pitcher. Uh, I know bringing back Joe Ross gives them four. If you really want to run with Eric Fetty, they'll give you your full five or go, you know, with a Will Crow or a, uh, you know, you could also maybe try to Seth Romero out there, a guy who I think they want to keep in the pin but could be a starter. And then also, too, they need an outfielder, right? they got to replace that right field spot. Um, they need to start thinking about, you know, who it's going to be and a, a catcher, too. You know, who, what are they going to um, supplant uh, or, you know, um, compliment rather, so, uh, compliment, uh, you know, Jan Gomes with? What are they going to do at first base? Are they going to keep Luis Garcia at second base? Is it going, you know, and, and they need to make some signings to start figuring out what their plans are in terms of, you know, what the what the dynamics will look like in spring training, right? Who's fighting for what positions? Who can uh, who feels good about 
where their spot is in the team and, uh, you know, start figuring out with a lot, as my dog is vigorously scratching himself. Bowie loves, you guys know Bowie. Bowie loves to get in on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. You know, that, that's kind of the latest buzz and there's not a whole lot else happening. Um, but I, I think at this point in time, the big news here is the Mets are closing in on James McCannon. The catcher's mark, market will become much thinner once that occurs, right? And you might have to go with an in-house, uh, an in-house option. Also, something that just came across there from this morning, uh, latest on the trade availability of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, the Rockies potentially could be looking to shop those two, according to Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. Though Saunders downplays a possibility of Arenado landing with the Dodgers or any other division rival in the NL West. Um, so, also two notes that um, owner Dick Monford is extremely hesitant to trade Arenado within the National League uh, especially in the National, National League West. So uh, that would be very interesting if they did that. But nonetheless, right, so things are starting to progress a little bit. But but these stories, guys, they marinate for a while, right? I mean, it seems like the signing process a lot of the times in baseball, not very expedited, right? There's really no rush, and, and things kind of work at a, at a bit of a snail's pace. So we'll see what occurs on that end. All right, guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LONationals. All right. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. And then once again, coming out next week, Connor Jones and I are going to have the first edition of our all-time Nationals draft. He and I are both going to draft. Teams will do the infielders first. Then we'll do the starting pitching next. And then we'll do our Nats kind of starting 11, if you will, you know, starting nine plus the pitchers as well. We'll kind of do an all-time team after that. All right. Until tomorrow, everybody, stay safe.